you take your Bibles with me? And I want you to turn to two places this morning. The first place I want you to turn is Acts chapter 9. The second place I want you to turn is 1 Samuel chapter 3. I know I'm making you work hard already this morning, stressing you out. Two places, 1 Samuel chapter 3, Acts chapter 9. I want to thank you for being here this morning. This is your first time here or you're visiting. We appreciate you taking the time to come, and hopefully it'll be a help to you. Let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that we could spend together. Father, I pray that as we study your word, Father, your will will be accomplished here today. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity, and I pray that each and every one of us would take stock of our own lives. We would think about where we are in our own lives. Father, I pray that our relationship with you today would be closer than it ever has been before. Father, I pray that we would take steps in that direction today. Father, we're thankful for it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Down through the years, there have been many methods to get the attention of children in class. I, when I worked in kids' classes, I would say something like this, raise your hands if you're not talking. So let's participate, okay? Raise your hands if you're not talking. Well, there's a few people that were talking, okay? We used, we used to do this one. Point to someone who's talking, okay? <laughs> that would maybe create a little bit of embarrassment. Often it would just point us to who was talking. When I was in Sunday school, and I grew up way back in the ancient days for some of you kids, um, my teacher used to be in the United States Marine Corps, okay? And so... He would get our attention the way the Marines used to get attention. And it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard. He would say eyeballs, and we would have to say click. I looked it up. It's a Marine Corps thing, and they, they would say eyeballs, and we would say click. All the time. He would say eyeballs, click. Good job. You guys are on today. This is so much fun. A couple weeks ago, I was able to take Maya on her end of her school year class trip. And I noticed her teacher would call out three times, class, class, class. And the kids would respond, yes, yes, yes. Shall we try it? Class, class, class. Yes, yes, yes. Now that I've got your attention. The reality is there's a myriad of different ways to get someone's attention. But attention is a fleeting thing. It comes and it goes. You ever ask yourself the question, why is getting someone's attention such a hard thing? Why do we have to have ways to get somebody's attention? Why do we have to have tactics? Why do we have to have uh, certain things to do in order to get our attention? If we're all honest here this morning, there are very few things in life that keep our attention. All of us have different interests and different things that we are passionate about, and those are usually the things that hold our attention the longest. If you know me at all, I love hunting and fishing. Do you know how long I can sit and watch hunting and fishing videos? Hours. Hours. And you're thinking, fishing, you watch fishing for hours? Yes, I know, I'm crazy, I'm insane. But listen, I could do it for hours and hours and hours. There's lots of things. I could not watch a makeup tutorial at all, ever. 
Okay, that does not hold my attention. You're like, thank you. I've always wondered. Doesn't. Here's the reality. Most of us would rather be doing something else, wouldn't we? Again, maybe you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, I'm here. Maybe I'm happy to be here, but I'm thinking about something else, right? Your attention is going somewhere else. Listen, I'm okay with that, okay? It is, it is said that the maximum attention span of an adult human being is 20 minutes, max. And I'm going to go like 35 here today. So if you got to refocus right around the 20-minute mark, I'll understand. All of us have different interests. All of us have different things that we're passionate about. Here's the reality. The hardest time to get someone's attention is when they're preoccupied with something else. For instance, in church, if a baby starts to cry, in the auditorium, if you're up here, you watch every head turn to one side. Every one of them. Because you're preoccupied with something else. And so... I do things like this, and I get louder just to pull your attention back to what we're trying to accomplish here today. Think about this, a child playing video games. Anybody have children who play video games? Or grandchildren who play video games? Listen, try to get a child's attention when they're playing video games. All right? So I'll use my son, for instance, Caleb. Caleb! Caleb! Doesn't work. Sometimes I have to go over and shut it off. I gotta do something drastic to get his attention. A parent sitting at a desk paying bills with some worry about how they're going to get everything paid. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad, you may have to go over and just place your hand on the bills and say, Dad. Let me get your attention. Sometimes we have to do something a little more drastic when someone is preoccupied. Some children will throw extreme temper tantrums just to get their parents' attention. Just to do that. When someone is preoccupied, a simple calling of their name often does not work. When someone is preoccupied, you have to do something just a little bit more drastic in order to get their attention. Let me ask you an extremely important question this morning. Does Jesus have your attention? Does Jesus have your attention? No, no, I don't just mean a casual, yeah, he does. I don't just mean a, I'm at church this morning, Pastor Yeomans, of course he has my attention. I don't just mean I read my Bible every day. No, it's not just that I pray every day. I mean, seriously, does Jesus have your attention? If he were to call you right now, would you recognize his voice? Would you be ready to answer? I mean, does he have your attention? This morning I want to give you two examples of people that God had to get their attention. The first one is in 1 Samuel. His name is Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 to 10. 
bit of a lengthier passage, but I want you to see the story. The Bible says in verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called to Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. For thou didst call me, and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. I want you to flip back to verse 1, and I want you to see what Samuel is doing. What is Samuel doing? Verse 1 in the child Samuel, what did he do? He ministered unto the Lord before Eli. Samuel was busy about the Lord's business. He was busy doing the work of the Lord. This is the work that needed to be done. This was the work that Samuel and his mother committed to years ago. I want you to see this. In the midst of working for the Lord, we see that Samuel was sensitive to the call of the Lord. Samuel was sensitive to the call of the Lord. Three times he heard the call of the Lord. Three times Samuel got up to see what was needed, and he went to Eli, the only person he knew that was in the temple at that time. Hey, you called me. What do you need? Three times. Finally, Eli clues in. It's not me calling. It must be someone else. It must be the Lord calling. And so the fourth time the Lord comes to him and says, Samuel, Samuel. And he says, speak, for thy servant hears. Now, interestingly enough, verse 7, I want you to see verse 7 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. Notice, it says this, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was a word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. See, this is, I find this interesting. Samuel had never had a personal relationship with the Lord. He had not studied his word. He was just there working for the Lord. He had never encountered God before. Now, his mother had. And surely Eli had and the people around him. But until this very moment, he had never heard the word of the Lord before. So why is that important? This is why I believe it's important. Because the very first time that he hears the voice of the Lord, what does he do? He responds. He responds. 
That's, it's that simple. He hears someone calling his name and he responds. He hears someone calling his name and he responds. He hears someone calling his name and he responds. And the fourth time, he just responds to a different person. He responds finally to the Lord. But I want you to notice this. The first time Samuel jumps into action, put it this way, he's sensitive. He's ready. He's alert to the call. And Samuel is just a young man, full of zeal to do the work of the Lord. In his mind, he's fulfilling his purpose in life where he's at. Why? Because that's what his mother prayed for. You know the story of Samuel. His mother was barren, could not have a child. She began to weep in the temple and begging and asking God that he would provide her a son. And if she did, excuse me, if God would provide her a son, then she would give that son back to God. This was his purpose. This was his purpose, to work for God. This was what he was supposed to be doing. He was zealous toward it. He was going to do what he was called to do. Yet even when he was accomplishing what he thought he was supposed to do, God called him. God said something to him. God called out to him and said, Samuel, I've got something bigger for you to do. Again, his response, speak. For thy servant heareth. You notice what Eli told him to say, right? Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. He doesn't know who the Lord is, and so he just says, speak, for thy servant heareth. Let me ask you this question. Are you sensitive to the Lord? Are you sensitive to the Lord? It did not take much to get Samuel's attention, did it? Are you sensitive to the Lord? Is it just a call of your name? And you jump right into action. Are you able to hear him over the noise of what's going on in your life? Are you present right now? Are you waiting in eager anticipation for what God will give you next? Samuel was ready. Are you? Now let's take a look at the second example, and that second example is Saul. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Let's read verse 1. The Bible says this, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. 
It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. These two stories are incredibly similar. But I want you to notice in verse 1 what Saul is doing. Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, this way is followers of Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Now, every single one of us that sits here this morning, we would think Paul was a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ, and you'd be correct. Paul was a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ, but I want you to understand, in this moment in history, there was a transition going on. There was a transition from Old Testament law to following Jesus, the New Testament. And so what was happening was there was a faction of people who wanted to stick with the law. In fact, those are the people who actually ended up killing Jesus Christ. They wanted to stick with the law. They thought of Jesus as an imposter. They thought of Jesus as somebody who was trying to disrupt the cultural and lawful traditions of the Jewish people. And they were right. That's exactly what he was trying to do. But he was trying to do it because God had a bigger plan And so here is Saul, Saul of Tarsus. And what is he doing? I guarantee this is what he was thinking because we find out later in Scripture. He was zealous to purify and get rid of these rebels. He was doing what he thought was right to do. In fact, he had the high priest's approval. Now the high priest is greater than just a pastor. The high priest is the guy, the only one who can walk into the holy of holies once a year. He has the closest relationship with the Lord of all the people. And so this high priest, this person who is as close to the Lord as anybody could ever get, He's signing letters for Saul of Tarsus to go and get rid of these proselytes. Not not just verbal permission. He has signed letters giving him authorization to capture and imprison followers of this radical Jesus. So Saul was an incredibly passionate human being. He was even passionate about what he thought was doing the right thing. But Jesus needed to get his attention. Because Jesus had something bigger for him to do. Jesus had something far better for him to do. He wanted to change his life. All of us here this morning 
are most likely passionate about something. It's most likely not a bad thing. It may even be a good thing. But let me ask you this. Is your passion, is our passion preoccupying us and turning our attention away from God? Is our passion preoccupying us and turning our attention away from God? Did you notice how Jesus got his attention? The Bible says that a bright light shines. It was so bright that it blinded Saul for three days. Not only was there a bright light shined, a voice from out of nowhere cries out, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he's so scared, he is thrown off of his horse. Paul was preoccupied with, quote, purifying the church. He was so preoccupied with that that he wasn't listening. He was in no way sensitive. In fact, he was set in his ways. He was zealous. He was passionate toward doing what he thought was right to do. He was passionate about his mission. And nothing was going to deter him. Not even God himself. In fact, he was so preoccupied, excuse me, that I believe this was not the first time Saul had been called. Notice in verse 5. And he, being Saul, said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Notice, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Jesus says to Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. So obviously, there is a prick going on, which pricks and strongs means a point, a sting, a goad, a divine impulse. Okay, you know what a goad is, right? It's a, it's a tool used for an animal to try to get them to go in the right direction. And it's got a point on the back, on the front end of it, in which you point, poke them and try to get them to go. It's very irritating. And so we here in church, we would say, hey, the Lord's tugging on your heart, or the Lord's convicting you, or the Lord's poking you and he's prodding you, trying to get you to do something. That's how we would say it. It's obvious that he was already kicking against some of those prods. He was already stubbornly pushing against them. pretty obvious that Jesus had already been working on Saul. But Saul kept kicking him away. Notice how Paul responds. Again, verse 5, he says, Who art thou, Lord? I happen to believe this was not his first encounter. He knew who he was. He had had contact with him before. He had experienced this sting in his heart before. Maybe it was at the stoning of Stephen. 
Maybe it was every single person that he took and threw into jail. He knew Jesus had talked to him before, but he just kept kicking. He just kept pushing it away. Some of us here today know that Jesus has been tapping on our heart. Asking us to fulfill a specific purpose for our lives. We know it. There may be some in here that know. They've been poked, they've been prodded before that we are supposed to be missionaries. Maybe you know that. There might be some of us here today that know that we are supposed to be servants. Some of us may know here today because God's been poking, we are supposed to talk to that coworker. Some of us may know that we are supposed to change our attitude. Some of us know that we are supposed to do good to our neighbor. Some of us know that we are supposed to change our career and do whatever God has called us to do. We know it. We felt the prick. We felt the prod. We felt that divine impulse before. We know it. There's something in our lives that God is calling to, and for many of us, we are trying to kick against it. Here's a a reverse order. Think about this. Some of you are trying to get out of this current place that you are. And you know that God wants you to stay where you are. And you keep trying to get out. And you keep trying to get out of that situation. And you keep trying to move away from it. But God is saying, listen, I want you to stay here. I want you to fulfill my purpose. And he keeps prodding us. And he keeps goading us and trying to do exactly what he's called us to do. Please, let me have your attention. Does God have your attention? How many times? How many times have we kicked him away? How many times have we pushed him away? We may even excuse ourselves by telling God about all of the wonderful things that we are doing for him. No doubt Saul could have thought in his mind, hey, I am working for you. What do you mean I'm persecuting you? No doubt Samuel could have said, God, what do you want? I'm I'm already working for you. I'm already doing these things. We may excuse it away by telling God how passionate we are about our community. God, I can't be a missionary. I've got neighbors that I'm trying to reach. A good thing. Please don't misunderstand me. Reaching your neighbors is an excellent thing to do. But God's calling you to something more. God, you don't know that coworker. I've tried to be nice to him before and it just didn't work out okay, but... So I don't think that I should talk to him anymore. All the while, God is saying, go talk to him. Go tell him. Jesus is saying, I have made you for more. I've got something bigger for you. If I was to use a word picture, I would use this. A farmer trying to get a donkey to go in the right direction. Are you saying, Pastor Yeomans, you're calling us all donkeys? That's not what I said. It's not what I said. As most people know, donkeys are some of the most stubborn animals in the world. And I can just picture. I used to farm. We never had donkeys. But we had cows that were extremely stubborn. 
and you would poke them, and we, we had a cattle prod, which was actually electricity that just gave them a little zap. And we would hit them with that, and what the first thing that they would do is kick backwards. You've seen it. You've seen it. You can picture it in your mind. You can picture in your mind a farmer behind a donkey just tapping him a little bit and that donkey just kicking. Kicking as hard as he can. He is not going to move forward. I'm going to kick. Trying desperately to stop the poking. And listen, there are some of us that sit in this room that keep kicking and kicking and kicking and kicking, desperately trying to stop the poking because we don't want to go forward. We don't know what's out there. We don't know what's next. And listen, a donkey may not know what's next. He doesn't care. He's just not moving. You know what would happen? The prodding would stop if he would just move forward. Let me say it again. The prodding would stop if he would just move forward. There's a vast difference between Samuel and Saul. Samuel was sensitive, Saul was stubborn. Samuel was ready. Saul was relentless. Samuel was alert. Saul was adamant. The thing I love about both of these stories is that in the end, both ended up doing what God had called them to do. I'm so thankful for that. We saw last week a man who in some ways came to a very similar decision according to what the Bible tells us. But we never see the change. This week, just a chapter later, we see a man knocked off his horse, blinded, hearing the voice of God calling to him, and he makes a choice. But let me ask you this question. What is it going to take for God to get your attention. What is it going to take for God to get your attention? I'm afraid that too many of us are preoccupied. I'm afraid that too many of us would not know the voice of God even if a bright light shined and we were thrown out of our vehicle. Let me ask you a question. What is it going to take for God to get your attention? You may say right here, right now, today, all right, Pastor Yeomans, he's got my attention. What do I do to keep that attention? Do you know that most of us, again, maybe you've already turned me off, so don't make me raise your hands if you're not talking, okay? Okay. Most of us do have a short attention span. Be okay with that. It's just human nature. What do I do to maintain my attention upon Jesus Christ? 
I don't ever want to get to a place where he's got to throw me out of a vehicle. That I, a bright light has to shine and I have to hear the audible voice of God. I don't want to get to that point. How do I maintain an eagerness, a sensitivity? The best way I can describe it is just you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Waiting for God to give you the next thing. How, how do you accomplish that? Listen, you're spending time with him. You're reading his word, not because you have to, but because you get to. God, I know you got something in your word for me today. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to dig until I find it. It's, a, it's just a perspective shift. Listen, God, it's not my will, it's yours. Here am I, Lord, send me. Do with me whatever you want. It's just a perspective shift. And listen, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you're going to have to do this daily. Paul said this, I die daily. Because it wasn't about his will and what he wanted. He said, I die. My person, my flesh, it has to die daily. The things that I want to do, that has to die daily. The things that I'm preoccupied with, they have to die daily. Daily. You know why? Because our attention span is short. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just go one week focused on Christ? Oh, it would be like a miracle happened. But I guarantee what's going to happen is we're going to walk out of this building today and the moment you hit those snacks, you're going to be like, hey, this happened this week and that happened this week. And listen, that's natural, that's normal, that's going to happen, but hear me, you've gotta come back. You've gotta get back. And you've gotta say, okay God, I just had a snack and I just talked to this person, what do you want me to do now? Okay God, I just did what you want me to do, now what do you want me to do now? Okay God, I just did that, now what do you want me to do now? Okay God, I just did that, now what do you want me to do now? Okay God, I just did that, now what do you want me to do? Give me something else to do. It's just a perspective shift. Most of us are comfortable in our ruts. Most of us are comfortable where we at, and oh, we're passionate, we're pursuing God, but he's knocking on the door. Hey, I got something bigger for you. God is doing some incredible things in this world. In Saul's world, listen, thousands upon thousands of people were getting saved. And Jesus wanted Saul to be a part of that. And not only be a part of it, but take it and run with it and be, in our opinion, the greatest missionary ever. And what did he do? He kept kicking against the pricks. Kept kicking. Listen, God's doing things in our world. Today, 2023, he's doing things. And he wants you to be a part of it. He's got something bigger and better than you could ever ask or think. He wants you to be a part. Does Jesus have your attention? If not, maybe it's time we started saying, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Here am I, Lord, send me. Please don't wait for the big light. 
Start now. Put yourself in the ready position. And just move when Jesus asks you to move. All of us were made for so much more. And God has a purpose for us that we could again never ask or think. And in order to accomplish what Jesus wants us to do, we have to be alert to what God wants to do in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so many wonderful, amazing things that have happened in our lives. But Father, help us never to coast. Help us never to lean to our own understanding. Help us never to get back on our haunches and just relax. Help us to be ready, willing, and able. Help us to be sensitive to your calling. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as personal Savior, Father, I pray that this would be the last time that you poked them. Today would be the day that they accept you as Jesus Christ, as their Savior. Father, for those that have kicked and kicked and kicked, and probably myself included, please don't give up on us. Keep at us. Don't let us live this mediocre lifestyle. Let us do something awesome through your power and through your spirit. Father, we'll give you the honor and glory for it.